Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. And my name is Andrew. And today we're going to talk about... Spotify? Yeah, Spotify. A little bit, yeah. Kind of some <laughs> uh, general Spotify-y, Spotify-y-ing. Right. I don't know. Some sort of like stream. Stream of consciousness. Stream no, of like, streaming uh, consciousness, of, no. Don't, don't cross streams? Don't cross streams until the very end of the movie. Right, right. You got to break – you know, it always kills you. Like if they're like, oh, that's the one thing. You, like don't press the red button. Don't do that. I'm like, and that's going to be what saves the day at the very end of the movie. Yeah, well, like, you know. Future, like never press that. And like, oh, of course, like that does it. I don't remember. I don't remember that part of that movie, but um, I remember crossing streams in Ghostbusters. That that was a good one. My one of my favorite. Uh, oh, uh, one of my favorite movies, Fanboys, that like flips that trope on its head, where they've got like the red button in the van. It's like that's light speed, never touch it, or whatever. And they they finally get around to using it at one point to tr- uh, in a in a getaway scene, and it ends up failing miserably. And they just <laughs> one day because they just turned it on its head, and it's supposed to be like the magic button to get them out of a bad situation. They're like, and nope, nope, didn't happen. Nope, didn't and, didn't work in out. Jail. Yeah. And for everyone listening wondering why I sound like this, I have terrible allergies uh pretty much all year long. And a couple times a year, actually more like once a month or so, uh my allergies are so bad it feels like I have a cold. And it just happens to be that today's that day. Yeah, the, the pollen in Seattle has been stupid lately. I, I grilled out over the weekend, and I went to go pull, roll my grill out, and it looked yellow. Ugh, it was just, like, covered in that, that yellowish-green pollen. And watching it burn off the grill was actually pretty satisfying when I got it going pretty hot. And I yeah. left it out for the night, and I went and checked on it. I grilled out two nights ago, so I checked on it yesterday, uh, mid-afternoon. I was taking something out to the backyard, and it was just right back to it. Uh, the, the, it's all over nasty. the cars, and it just there's just a blanket of pollen on everything. So I don't yeah. blame you at all. It's not yeah. your fault. I I didn't I I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not my fault. Like I I tried to get in to get allergy shots once, and it's just like the restrictions on. I don't know how anyone has time for allergy shots because the clinic was only open between nine and three and you had to get there 30 minutes before your shot and you had to stay for like 30 minutes at least afterwards and then you couldn't like exercise for like an hour and a half afterwards or an hour before so it means I could not have taken my bike so then I would have been relying on public transportation which is slower and this is when I still had an office job so I would have had to have like it would have taken, I, I just, I would have had to take half days every single time I had to get an allergy shot. And the way it's, I would have wanted to do it is to, you know, you get up to like three shots a week to start off. And then uh, you taper to like once a week or once a month. And I just, I would never have been able to get to that point. So. Right, right. Now, I had yeah. really bad allergies when I was in a kid. I lived in California, and I never got, like, tested to see, like, what exactly it was I was allergic to. Uh, but I always – I got, like, really nasty, like, sinus headaches. And, like, yeah. I'm a big sneezer anyways, just as in, like, 
it's pretty normal for me to have like between three and five sneezes in a row several times a day. Like, yeah, that's that's, that's normal, normal for me. For me. Yeah. Uh, Sneeze attacks. I've I get it bad in California like twice a year. I get it really, really bad. I, I haven't had it in Seattle hardly at all. Like I noticed that like my sinuses start to get a little puffy right about this time, but it doesn't nearly it doesn't kick in nearly as bad. Yeah, so my sinuses are just inflamed. It's not really even that much snot. It's just they're swollen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was worse in Nashville, so I'll, I'll give it that. Well, are you drinking anything to, to cope with that? Water. Lots of water? Trying to flush it out. Just flush it out. Good times. So, yeah, though I, I did have a drink yesterday for the first time. Uh we were able to find a local Mexican restaurant that was doing to-go margarita kits. So they just like give you their pre-made mix in a cup and then they give you a little bottle of tequila. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it was nice. I, I've really missed margaritas since this whole thing happened. <laughs> you know, as much as I love tequila, like margaritas, I, I, I just, I, I don't get along with margaritas. Is that bad? Like, I mean, it's I sad for tequila. you. I really like tequila. What's wrong with margaritas? There's something about it that just never sits right. And I'm much more, I I love Palomas, which is. That's like a margarita with grapefruit juice. Pretty much. Yeah. Those, those sit great with me, but there's something about like, like your average margarita. I'm just like, eh. Oh, all right. That's fine. But, uh, on that note, I am drinking something a little bit different today. I've been putting this off, and I'm not entirely sure why I have been, um, but I've got something special to drink today. Ooh. Uh, more specifically, I've got six special somethings to drink today. Yeah. Um, I promise that this won't get out of hand, um, but I I do have a, a thanks, a, a shout out, if you will, to, to send out to a certain Tom Kelly. He's one of our, uh, our, our good friends of the show supporter of the show and he's a good dude oh absolutely and a generous dude Uh, so tom reached out to me a couple months back he's like hey if i sent you some scotch to try would you drink it and i had that immediate gut reaction of isn't this like how serial killers kill people um so if i I pull over and die before this episode i um comes out you know that we've got a very sophisticated serial killer on the loose sending people scotch and his name is tom kelly his name is tom kelly uh if i don't keel over and die um then huge thank you to tom this is actually really really sweet so he sent these six these like six mini bottles they look like they're two one of them's probably two ounce and what the others are two and a half to three so um just little taster bottles but he peeled the labels off of them and he replaced them with a simple label that says uh, one through six. So I've got bottles number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, and number six. Number six is the smallest of the bunch. They vary in color. Three and four are looking pretty similar in color. But uh, the goal is for this episode is to kind of just try a couple sips out of each. I've got a proper Glen Carn glass um, in front of me, which is the, the, the proper glass to drink scotch whiskey out of. And I've got some club soda as a palate cleanser in between. Have a little bit of bougie fun here. You guys can all make fun of me. And in an envelope over here on the left, I've got uh, I've got the list of what each of these are. I have not looked at this. I 
don't know what scotch whiskeys these are. I can only assume that they're all scotch. I'm kind of half expecting like one of these to be Jack and for him to um, be laughing at me later. <laughs> you drank Jack Daniels and you thought it was like an Oban or something like that. Um, What's wrong with Jack Daniels? <laughs> it's a mixer and that's about all it's good for in my humble opinion. Wow. You're drinking the wrong Jack Daniels. Gentleman Jack is not bad, but just old number seven. I don't know. It's just okay. But the, for that, you're paying for the name more than anything. And there's five whiskeys for the same price I'd rather have. I think you're paying for the barrel more than anything, if I'm being honest, because they never re- reuse the barrels. So that's a pretty enormous cost. That's pretty normal, though. No, it's not really. It's normal for places to not reuse their barrels. It's really cost prohibitive. Well, what? not if you resell them. That's So the scotch industry yeah. relies on bur- the bourbon industry because they get um, barrels that have been uh, aged with bourbon. Right. Anywho, um, I'm being, this is, maybe this is why I've been putting this off, but this is where the, uh, the snobby part of Andrew starts to come out. And it, I'm honestly a really terrible snob because I only sort of know what I'm talking about. That's so, most snobs. And that's why I, I they're so that, insufferable. That's probably why I'm also a, a pedal person is because I only sort of know what I'm talking about, but I, I can fake it really well. That so, sounds like most pedal people. I know. I'm just, I'm out here. I haven't even started drinking yet and I'm already throwing daggers. Um, well, so I've got number one here. I've got loaded up in the glass and uh, have a little bit of fun and just kind of slowly work through these over the course of the episode. So what's new with you, Emily? What's new with me? I, I have allergies. I am miserable. I, I feel awful. I would love to take a nap. Um, <clears throat> I had another article published on uh, reverb.com. Yeah. This one was about up and coming YouTube demo artists that you should follow. So check out that article. I'm not in it as I wrote the article and it is not ethical to write an article just as a vehicle to promote yourself. Uh, but I talked about um, some friends of the show, like Ann Silikowski. I talked about, um, some people I followed, like uh, Megan L and Brock Davidson, and um, I, I forget Emily Hopkins, uh, the harpist, uh, mm-hmm. Devin Bl- uh, Blue Whitaker, uh, Ponderer Sounds. I think there are a lot. There are a lot of really great artists, uh, demo artists out there who have like fewer than five thousand subs and create just incredible content. Talk about demos in the dark. Uh, another friend of the show there. But some of them, like, Devin Whitaker, like, wow, those guys, like, that guy's videos, they're, they're, they're cinematic. They're just such an incredibly high quality, uh, they're dramatic, they're wonderful, um, and I love his videos a lot, and I think he should be more pop, well, I think they should all be more popular than they are, but I especially think he should. That is high praise. Yeah, but um, yeah. Other than that, this weekend I did a little bit more work for uh, Ghoul Talk, that project that I was doing the overdub session for. So I sent her over some options yesterday for for one of the songs. I'll be working on another one uh, through this week. Um, but just kind of an anticipation. I I went ahead and I ordered a, a reamp 
box from uh, Saturn Works. So oh, I'm excited fun. about that. Yeah. So that way I can have, I think they will, I think it'll be good for the demos as well. Cause then I could record something to the interface instead of using the looper pedal and feed it back around and just do, do more stuff that I, that hadn't been able to do that I think will enable me to feature the pedals a little bit better. Oh, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, so scotch number one in the books. Uh, I got a couple of sips out of it, and I'm getting a relatively balanced. I'm going to guess it's almost too peaty to be a Highland, but I'm not sure what it is. It tastes really familiar, and I'm sure this is something I've tried before. And this is this is the part where I'm like, oh, well, I've tried this before, and it's going to be something I totally haven't. But I don't yeah. know what it is. But it's it's got a nice light peat. It's a pretty relatively medium color got a little bit of leather on the nose you want me to keep going with these tasting notes or am i just going to embarrass myself i think it's always embarrassing when you talk about tasting notes it's something i just like can't bring myself to do little bits of stone fruit a little bit of creme brulee it's kind of nice balance <laughs> it's not over oh overly not overly sharp it the alcohol isn't very forward um so that Makes you think it's maybe something that's been aged a little bit longer. So, yeah. Yeah. Taste, uh, tasting notes are funny because it's just one of those things. It's like, I don't. Uh, it's so sure. subjective. It's subjective. It's, I think, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if it sounds kind of like when somebody listens to music and they're like, oh man, that's like straight up Marvin Gaye kind of vibe mixed with a little bit of sly and the family stone circa this or that. And I, I wonder, I wonder if that's how people who aren't familiar with music, super duper familiar with music feel when people talk about an artist that they like just in terms of what else it sounds like, which is something I I don't really like. I, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, of that kind of critique of music. So it just kind of reminds me of that. Well, I'm not typically a fan of critiquing music quite like that either, but the flip side of that is like there's a gold standard for whiskey uh, and less so for music, I think, because music's got so many more genres and there's always something new to be done. And sometimes with Scott, like specifically like Scotch whiskey, like it's about nailing the tradition and kind of holding down that this is what it's all about. Um, I don't know. The traditions for Scotch whiskey, Scotch which okay, whatever. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna. <laughs> One of my best friends here in Seattle is um, uh, is Scottish. Uh, used to work with the guy, and I'm sure if if he if I can convince the guy to listen to this podcast, he's gonna spend the entire time judging me to no end. Uh, he's. <laughs> I like going out to drink with him because it makes me feel like such a noob. Because yeah. he's tried just about every Scotch whiskey out there you can think of. He remembers all the tasting notes. He really, at least to me, seems knowledgeable. But he's everyone, also everyone has it's it's important to have hobbies. Well, I don't. I'm not typically a uh, diehard like Scotch whiskey kind of guy. It's a very expensive hobby, so very grateful for a chance to go through and taste all of these. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give number one uh, my thumbs up. I like this one. Neat. You know, you know what one of my number ones is? Jack Daniels? John Prine. Mm. 
So I I want to take a minute because we're already 15 minutes into the episode um, for some reason, and uh, we've we've already lost a, a, several very important musicians and people in our art and culture space from from COVID 19, and the one of the first ones that's really left me uh, devastated is is the loss of of John Prine. Um, I've, I've, I've always been familiar with John Prine's music. My mom was a big music person in that kind of Americana genre. So I've heard, I've, it's a name I'd heard for forever. And when I finally got to listening to, uh, his music, at least partially through the covers that Josh Ritter would do of John Prine, I'm just like, God, that is truly incredible songwriting. I really believe that very few if anybody uh would ever compare to John Prime and um being in Nashville uh it's customary to <laughs> every once in a while you you get you get these stories of of your connections to these uh these musicians and um so I remember for my my John Prine story isn't even really so much a John Prine story as you know. Um, I mean, it is. I'll just tell it. I and I was it. at. Go ahead. I was just saying, tell it. I was trying to tell you to go ahead. Okay. Jesus. Okay. I'm um, trying to be supportive here. All right. So it was it was it was June uh, of 2010, and it was the weekend of Bonnaroo, and I had gone the year before, and was really just lamenting the fact that I hadn't bought tickets to go that year with, with my friends, um, some of whom had bought tickets. Um, and I, it was, I remember like the Thursday and Friday, all I was doing was watching the Bonnaroo live streams and just really being pissed at myself for not going. Uh, and Saturday I, I picked up a shift um, at the library where I worked on uni- at the university and I, I picked it up for, someone else I, I never did it I don't didn't really like working weekends so I thought I would take my mind off the fact that I wasn't at Bonnaroo so I was like yeah and money um so I get to the library and by the time I get there basically within five minutes of them opening uh there's a woman there and she she needs she needs help like she's she's an she's an older woman not not like the standard student age and uh she just needed to make copies of something so that she could so, you know, in the library, they have books that you can't really check out. You can't take out of the library, but you can have them for like two hours at a time. And they're right, typically right. books that like everybody needs access to. Reference books, the encyclopedia, dictionaries, thesauruses. Uh, yeah, there there were a lot, like anything that was like used in a, a syllabus that, ye, that that semester would be pulled off the regular shelves and, and placed in this reserve so that you know, everyone would have access to it when they needed it. Um, Cause a lot of people were going to need that book and they didn't want someone to just bogart it for the entire semester. Uh, so I'm helping her scan. It's kind of, the scanners are bad and wonky and it takes so long that I just like clear the cost on the, the computer. I'm like, okay, you're not going to owe anything for these copies. Cause normally they were like five or cent, 10 cents a piece. And she's talking, she's like, oh, thank you so much for helping with this. I just, you know, I have to go to Bonnaroo later today. And I'm like, oh, man, I I so wish I was going to Bonnaroo. I'm really mad that I didn't, that I didn't buy a ticket. And uh, she says, she says to me, well, why don't, why don't you go? Like, you should go. I'm like, oh, well, the thing is, like, I can't 
like, I can't really afford it. And I think it's sold out. And she says, oh, no, no, no. Like, my husband's playing. They gave us way more tickets than we could ever use. I'll run home and I'll I'll bring back a ticket. And I no was way. like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. And she's like, I'll, 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 get you, I'll give you one for a friend. I'm like, yeah, thank you. I'm like, she's like, the thing is, you just have to promise to see my husband play because he's kind of nervous. And I said, oh, great. Who does your husband play for? Which is kind of more the Nashville question. And she said, oh, my husband is John Prine. No I had seen, way. I had seen this woman's like Belmont ID and I hadn't even put it together that her name on her ID was Fiona Pride. I noticed the Fiona part, That's but incredible. not the Pride part. So she left, came back and gave me the tickets. And uh, then she gave me her phone number because she said that, you know, I have children and I know if, if they were at a festival like this, I'd want them to have every number possible, which my mother really appreciated. And, uh, so if you have any trouble, just give me a call. I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. So of course we go the first night I go with my friend Kaylee. We, uh, have a lot of fun. We see John Prine, of course. And Oh, Oh, it's the only time I ever got to see John Prine, but it was magic. It was, so good and then that night Kaylee and I we went back uh to Nashville because Bonnaroo was just like an hour outside next morning she wakes up she messages me she's really sick but she managed to get her wristband off so I call my friend Ben and his wrist is bigger than hers he can't slip it over so I, I I cut it and I sew it back together as best I can and then we get to the grounds and we have the one guy at the Bonnaroo grounds who's checking wristbands so impeccably he notices that that Ben's has been torn so he's like well do you have your physical tickets I'm like yeah sure I grab them and I show them to him and they're they're artist tickets so he calls his boss over and his boss gives me this real stern look and says who gave you these tickets where did you get these and I said uh John Prine well his wife Fiona do do we need to give her a call and he looks at me <laughs> he says right answer and he gets my friend a new respect <laughs> And, um, so yeah, that's my favorite John Prine story. It's really the one that I, I'm actually involved in. Um, I, I have friends in Nashville who, who are close to that family. Um, someone who, who's worked with, with John for gosh, probably eight years. And, uh, so my, my heart really goes out to, to those people. So especially, cause you know, I have a, I have a funny story. They, this was their friend and, um, I, I just think that if, uh, I, I just, if, if you want to, if you haven't, you need to listen to John Prine. It's poetry. It's beautiful. Um, and pour yourself a vodka and diet ginger ale and, uh, enjoy. Enjoy. Indeed. That's a, I'm just kind of, you've never told me that story before and I'm just super blown away. Just listening to you talk about that. And I can't imagine how, mind blowing that must have been to go through that. Yeah. That just generosity of she was just like, Yeah, I'll come back and I'll bring I'll bring you some tickets. Like like nothing. She didn't know me. <laughs> That's incredibly generous and that, that speaks volumes about the family for sure. They were great people. Well, Fiona's still a great person, I am sure. Right, right. Oh. Well, on yeah. a slightly less heavy note before we um, before we hit ads, I've just got number two <laughs> and this one's just straight up bread pudding. It's gotta be, I don't know if it's Asian a rum cask or what, but I'm just getting raisins, brown sugar, caramel, just full on bread pudding. 
just in the nose and it tastes phenomenal. Christmassy. Yeah, it is kind of Christmassy. This one's definitely the darkest of the bunch, um, which makes you wonder uh, what it was aged in or rather if there's anything added to it. It's just incredibly sweet. I'm not sure I've tried anything like this before. Interesting. Sponsors? Mm Mm-hmm. This week's episode of Get Offset is sponsored by Tysco Pedals. Tysco. Tweet woot. I published um, a demo for their delay pedal, and for 150 bucks new, uh, wow, that thing has a lot of features. It has, you know, the standard uh, level feedback, which can get into self oscillation territory really quickly. Um, and time, and then you can also, there's modulation, so you can control the modulation on the delay trails, uh, you can control the depth, and you control the rate, and there's a rate toggle, so the rate can be either slow or fast, and it's just, like, wow. And, and you would like this, it has, um, a, a dry, a direct out, in addition to your normal mono out, so if you use the direct out, it turns your, uh, wet out into just 100% wet for you, uh, wet dry board types right right yeah yeah the um ibanez de7 has the has the dry out like that and i've definitely used that to great effect in uh pun intended in rigs before cool yeah so they have that and then i've i've been playing around with their boost pedal too and it's it's super neat also i and it's it's even cheaper i i don't want to quote myself on a price because i don't remember but in, in addition to having level and gain there are also uh, three tone uh, switches. Uh, well, a tone switch with three different options. So you can choose your tone. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I well, it looks like so it's got an option for the, the internal charge pump for 9 volt to 24 volt. It also has that. The 24 volt gives it more headroom. Right. That's got to be crazy. I've got... Um... A lot of pedals have uh, charge pumps inside, so you plug it into 9 volts, so it's really running uh, like 18 or even higher than that. Uh, I think my MesoFX OMV2 has got a charge pump in it, so it goes up to 18. Uh, but seeing that kind of that toggle for the charge pump is actually really kind of nifty. I don't know if I've ever seen a toggle for that ever before. And then seeing the, the EQ for the normal treble and flat is kind of fun. Yeah. And they all sound so different too. It's it's like it's hard to decide which you like the best. And I, I was playing around with it, uh, putting it before my halberd by Electronic Audio Experiments, and woo, yeah, it's cool. Right, right. Well, it, boost has always been an effect where I'm like that is so boring, and it's always really fun to see when pedal makers come out with a boost that's not like just a one trick pony it's got options in it like this like this is this is super neat it definitely i feel like this is the kind of boost i should have had years ago that would have helped me understand the effects so much more to have all the yeah. settings on board and understand how they all play together yeah and like i get now why you would why you why there's so much debate about where you put a boost like i i have the, the little cat dirt mini and that's just just a very very loud boost and I'm like, yeah, I'll put that after my drive because I just want it louder for right. solos. As opposed but, like, to pushing it. As opposed to pushing an overdrive pedal, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the sponsor. 
24 volt is such a weird like jump too because i've always seen like 9 to 18 volt jumps i'm wondering how they did that on the inside i'll have to, I'll have to look into this later i'm really curious yeah it's magic it i i certainly believe that yeah so um this week we kind of went between a couple of potential things to talk about and we settled on talking a little decided to talk about a Spotify. Yeah. Spotify. Spotify. Uh Spotify. Everybody uses it and everybody probably I think a lot of people have mixed uh, emotions about it. If you care about like if you're especially musicians have I think mixed emotions oh, about it right i mean high profile artists in the past have just straight up pulled all of their music from spotify i remember taylor swift did that for a while and i think her stuff's back up uh, prince prince. Of- prince never wanted to put his stuff on spotify famously adele i think has gone on and off on spotify I think led zeppelin's never been on spotify the beatles hadn't for forever uh a lot of people have it and i think a lot of the arguments i've seen for taking your music down from is it feels like it's devaluing uh you as an artist in terms of how little it pays and i mean it, yeah and that's not I something mean... <laughs> I, i'm not necessarily gonna disagree with that I no mean... i'm not gonna disagree with it at all um do you know do you know really anything about the history of of spotify i don't know tons of the history what i can tell you is that i remember the first time I heard about it was my senior year of high school in 2012. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, that, okay, I'll tell you why that's wild. It's because I had Spotify for a year before you even heard of it. I thought it, I just assumed that it hit everybody immediately in a very big way. Well, in my defense, I was living in Germany at the time, which has got... That's very- actually less defensible because Spotify launched in Europe first. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I, I felt I was living under a rock. I used to be homeschooled. Fight me. All right. <laughs> so I heard about it for the first time in 2012. And I remember I was sitting in my uh, AP US government class because I was one of those goody good kids who took AP classes. And my, my classmate was like, oh, yeah, like, have you ever heard of Spotify? He's like, kind of tell me about it. I'm like, this just sounds like a scam. Like, how are, like, how do you just have access to all of this? And for reference, like, at that point in time, my, like, I had, like, my iTunes library and I had, like, my couple hundred gig of, um, gigs of music on a hard drive that were all backed up. And that was kind of just, like, the mode of how I understood, like, consuming music. It's so the idea of having, like, basically the entire history of discography. Um, for all intents and purposes at my, at my fingertips on a web app was like for free. That seems criminal. They can't, how do they possibly monetize enough money to be able to pay out artists? Well, and I remember having that thought, um, and being really sketched out by it. And how do they pay artists? Well, <laughs> well, like, it's like, where's the cat? And I didn't really understand that much about business at that point. I was a senior in high school, but it was definitely the question on my mind of like, how does, how does this work? That just doesn't seem immediately intuitive. And I feel like, I feel like I felt, it felt very much like this is just like the new torrents, just slightly more, um, a lot more legal. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Spotify, um, if it did one thing, well, um, it murdered torrenting. It murdered, uh, uh, what are they called? P2P sharing. Peer to peer -peer sharing, uh, like LimeWire. 
Uh, I mean, Kazad, all that, all that stuff. <laughs> Basically, uh, STDs for your computer. Don't. Yeah. We all well, bad ideas. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how my computers ever survived Kazad, but they somehow did. Uh, so I was in college when we first heard about. Um, God, it was 2009. We heard about Spotify. Uh, so Spotify was founded in 2006, um, and came to, and it was launched in 2008. In, um, in, I, I think it was, uh, probably Sweden where, where it launched first. Um, but immediately we had heard it because we were studying music business at the time about this thing. It was, and it was going to be legal. And it was like, you listen to an ad to listen to a song. So I thought the way I visualized it was that you would have access to the song but you'd have to sit through a 30 second spot for every song. So if you kind of listen to it like that, like you're like, Oh, well maybe there's money in it. Uh, it, it turns out there is money in it, but not for artists. Right. Uh, so they launched in the United States. God, it must've been, it must've been 2011, 2010, 11. I don't really know. Uh, uh, July, 2011. So, they weren't the only people who did what they did, and they're still not the only people who do what they do. You still have Pandora. I think you still have Rhapsody. Um, now you have Tidal. Uh, Amazon has their own thing. Apple, Apple has their Music. own thing. Yeah. Um, Amazon has their own thing, too? I just said that, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Silly. And they, they, they had other competitors at the time. The one I remember the most was Groove Shark. And this is this is almost a digression, but kind of interesting. Is that Groove Shark? Um, they did a couple things a little bit differently than Spotify. They tried to position themselves as a value tool for artists uh, and labels in terms of like uh, knowing where your fans are, so that you can more effectively route tours, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and Spotify, I don't believe they had that information available to artists themselves until very recently. Um, that, that could be its own episode. But, uh, the thing that Groove Shark did that was very, very bad is they were uploading music without permission. Right. So they got sued out of existence. Um, Spotify still exists, obviously. It's also, I think, bar none, the biggest of the streaming services and uh musicians have gone on record basically since its inception about how it it doesn't pay it doesn't pay anything almost and um now with with COVID-19 uh artists are have lost other revenue streams so they are I, I think what, what really made me want to talk about this is that Spotify, um, ha there, there's a, what do you call it? A, um, petition to have very, what's the word? Specifically, specific demands, uh, that Spotify triple the royalty rate that they pay out to artists. Right. I mean, all the artists have lost all of their income from concerts for the foreseeable future. Um, and yeah, if you that, don't, if you don't, if you're not playing concerts, you're not selling as much merch. You're not. Exactly. I mean, the the financial impact on the music industry. We, we've talked about the show a couple of times. That was just so incredibly vast and thorough. That's 
it's now down to, well, what do we have left and how can we milk that for all of its worth is kind of how I see that mindset going. Right. So Spotify refuses to admit uh, what their actual royalty rate is. Uh, but, you know, I think everyone's crunched the numbers and everyone acknowledges that their payout um, to, you know, the publisher is a, a point, I think it's point zero three cents. Point. Point zero zero three cents. Point zero zero three cents. Point zero zero three one eight or something like that. If we want to get right, so that's like three bucks for every thousand streams. Right, exactly. It's virtually no money. So people are ask. So artists are asking for basically no, no. So it is point three cents, Andrew. It's uh because it's. It's dollar sign point zero zero three one eight. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's point so, zero zero. Yeah, I can't math. Yeah, so you need a to, so the, basically what artists are asking for is a penny per play. Right. If we want to really just break it down and make it specific, right? Because like, that you triple that, that's a penny per play, and then so for a thousand streams, you're looking at ten bucks. Yeah, and it's not a ridiculous amount of money to ask for. I don't have this breakdown anymore. Um, handy, I should say, but I think spot, I think title pays 0.6 cents per stream. So that's already twice as much. And I think I, like I, I hate Amazon. I took my music off of Amazon. I think Amazon already pays a penny per stream. Interesting. Yes. They don't have the traffic that Spotify does, which I think is what's um, impacting this. Interstream. <laughs> Interstream sting. No. You're spring sting? Yes. Available that's, that's, my, that's my funny way of saying I'm on number three, by the way. Oh, you are. Okay, go ahead. I am on number three. This one's, um, I think this is the lightest of the bunch. Pretty right, Pretty close to uh, number four in terms of color. A uh, lot less flavor on the nose. Uh, update on two, by the way. After I got a couple sips, I got sick of it really quickly. And I, I don't know if I'll come back to this one. I have a feeling this is something that Melissa is really going to like. So maybe we'll give it to her. But it, it turned like apple cinnamon-y with way too much raisin in it. It just it didn't sit with me right. But uh, three three's smelling nice and easy going. I'm going to uh, hazard a guess and say... Um, Oh goodness, I don't, I don't know. What this could be, but I, I have to assume it's something younger. There's not nearly as much flavor to it, but it's, it's pretty light, easy going. Not a whole lot to it. Huh. All right. I suppose maybe a space side, but it does have a just a touch of, it does have a decent amount of peat to it, contrary to the color. Anyways, it's not yeah. bad. So back to Spotify. Yeah, so um, artists are. Do you know what a royalty is? I suppose I should spec. We should define that because I mentioned it. <laughs> it's your slice of the pie for your music and the money that it makes. It well, it, vaguely speaking, but a royalty. Uh, if 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 you're paying a royalty on something, it's like a, a pay per use situation. So um, you know, it's kind of the opposite of a stock photo. A stock photo you buy, you have a royalty-free license on a stock photo. That means you can uh, reproduce it as much as you want in uh, 
however the contract is stipulated. So you get a royalty-free photo on a stock image. You can use it on your website. You can use it in ads. You can use it on a billboard and a pamphlet, whatever. It's yours to to use, like unlimited uses. Right. So like, and typically like I've, I've known a couple of people that have um, like, they produce music specifically for royalty free sales and they end up selling it. They sell off the right to that song and they get more money up front for it, but then they don't get any of the royalties long-term if it turns out being used for a successful show or something like that. Right. And you hear about this in, 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 it's like selling your publishing Rights. So you get money up front, but then you don't get money later on from it. So like the Beatles signed away their publishing rights, their royalty rights for their songs and still don't have those rights and still don't get money when like the song revolution is used in a sneaker commercial or whatever. And they also can't control, prevent that song from being using and being used in the speaker commercial, sneaker commercial, which also sucks um, for them. Uh, but so, so that's what, so basically, uh, that's a payout per stream because that's a royalty on that. Uh, cause no Spotify doesn't have any royalty free licenses for, um, their music and we can get like that, that turns into a whole, a whole rabbit hole. But so artists are, and I'll, I'll include a link to the petition. Uh, if you want to sign that, currently it o- only has 2,000 signatures collected, so it would be really nice for more signatures on this to kind of nudge Spotify toward, um, more appropriately, in my opinion, uh, compensating the artists. Getting a larger slice of that pie. Yes, because it is a limited... <laughs> amount of money you know what really sucks it's like i get i see every penny of the pennies i get from spotify because i'm not signed to a label sometimes Mm -hmm. you hear about people like from the eagles who wrote songs for the eagles and they're only getting paid like twenty five thousand dollars for a million streams or ten thousand dollars for a million streams because their label takes their cut first and then the right. rest kind of filters out. Well, that was going to be one of my questions. Like that per stream for, so like that three cents or um, 0.3 cents per stream, is that like for each person involved or is that just for whoever's involved in making the song, you split it up from there? And I assume it's the latter. And specifically, it's the master recording. So whoever owns the masters on it is right. my, my understanding. I don't think that has to do with songwriters at all. Right, right, which reminds me of uh, back to Taylor Swift. I remember there's a thing recently about her uh, being in a, in a bit of a tiff with someone over, I forget who it is, that someone else owns the Masters, and she was threatening to re-record all of her old music just so she could re-own it all over again. Yeah, that is um, the, the Big Machine uh, label what? group. So they signed her to, uh, in my opinion, a, a vaguely predatory record deal um, for, for someone so young to sign. I believe that Leanne Rhymes was kind of in a similar similar state and Kesha's in a similar state where they're young. They sign a record deal that has an exorbitant amount of options, which it, for every option, it's kind of a... a, a a lie <laughs> so it's like right. it's basically the, the label has the option of first refusal um for up to six albums or whatever so six albums that's just kesha's for example mm-hmm. kesha is contractually obligated to deliver up to six albums f- 
for her record label. And if they want to drop her before those six, that's their prerogative. And she has no legal recourse, but she can't leave them until then. Right. Uh, Which is a huge baseball contract. Right. And it's totally understandable to see uh, a young up and coming someone want to sign someone like that. Like I'm not in a position in a position to negotiate. I, this is, this is more or less my big break. This is my chance. It's not as good as I would like it, but I'm just going to take it because it's possibly this or nothing else. Yeah. No, no ability. And we've got you exactly where we want you. Well, you have no clout. You have, you have no, no bargaining power. You know, Prince was in a similar position where he also said that he was going to re-record all of his old music. Um, from his Warner days, including, you know, 1999 and Purple Rain, which ultimately he didn't do. Um, he did re-record 1999 and it was horrible. And I think he just kind of abandoned that project due to boredom. I mean, this was a guy who didn't want to re-record his old stuff. Right. Um, well, I'm not but, sure anyone necessarily does. I mean, with, few, no. with some exceptions, but that's not, you don't wake up one day and like, hmm, I'm just going to re-record that album I did 15 years ago just because. Well, Prince was so prolific, and not that Taylor Swift isn't prolific, but um, I mean, it's not like she's has a vault with twenty thousand recordings in it that we know of, and she might. And right. I, if she does, I would love for her to more, correct me. More power to her if she does. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a, a, a digression. Um, I'll be an interesting tangent, one. But it, it's a tangent that builds a builds out a picture of more of what this industry looks like and how it all, because it's, it's a system. It's an industry. Everything plays into each other and there's no, there's no getting around that part of it. Right. So often a record label owns the masters. So, and then they pay you a royalty rate after whatever expenses um, you have accrued with them. And those expenses can, are, are there like they're, they're the things that seem like oh the label's taking me out for dinner the label's putting me up in a posh hotel the label's got me a seat in first class no you're paying for all of those things right that's it's all going cut. yeah that's like it's like that's part of your expenses so um that's why it takes so long for artists to ever make money from from these these record deals because at the end of the day they may have like a 90 10 split where the label gets 90 percent Right. Which, you know, there are 360 deals or whatever. So that's why artists see very little money from Spotify. So and, truly, and clarify, like the indie. To clarify a math point you made you made earlier is about how someone who's only make 25 or 10 grand off of a million streams or so. I mean, with Spotify, a third of a cent per stream, what you're looking at is $3,000 for a million streams. And that's just, if that's just going to whoever owns the masters and you're only getting a cut of that, I mean, it doesn't take. I think- lot more extrapolation to reasonably believe that artists even more professional artists are not making that much money out of their spotify i mean no i was talking about uh, artists on labels making less than 0.3 cents per stream right 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 because because of their labels taking that money so if like someone like me i'm going to see every penny of those pennies someone who has a record so if i have uh you know um that thousand streams and i make three dollars Okay, I have three dollars, and that's all my money. If you have a even an indie type of record deal where you split profits fifty fifty after expenses recouped, you're getting a uh, one dollar and fifty cents. And then if you're one of these lab- on a major label and you're making maybe twenty percent of everything you get, well, yeah, that's even less. Like that's that's less than. 50 cents or something. I don't want, I can't do the math in the top of my head, but it's not, that's I how, mean, 
at this point, we're we're talking like vending machine change. I mean, yeah, and that's off of a thousand streams. And if ten people bought your record at ten dollars a piece, I think I think the math said you would have to stream a song between ten and fifteen thousand times to make up for to the artist for what you would have paid uh, just buying their CD. So that's 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 another reason, you know. Right, and I. I'm really getting kind of sick of people on the COVID-19 thing saying like, stream your favorite artists. Like just, just can't, uh, so, just cancel your Spotify membership and buy an album every month. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it, it, the flip side of that argument and the argument that's always been there is like, sure. You get more money if, if you, if someone bought your record, but then it's the, uh, the, the marketing appeal of the accessibility of uh, allowing people to just stumble upon because I mean, I I'll be honest. I use Spotify. You guys can all, I can reevaluate my life choices after this episode. I'm sure, but I, it's something that I've always kind of used. It's something that's kind of sitting in the background when I work, and it's a part of how I discover new artists. One of the things is like, oh, I, I'll, I'll listen to like whatever generated playlist it makes for me, and if I hear an artist that I haven't heard before, I'm like, oh, that is kind of nice, and I'll go through it and it's like that's how I find a new artist, or I'll go, it'll suggest artists that are similar to some of my favorites and so there's definitely that appeal of you want to be it makes you more discoverable to the more accessible to the masses than simply this is my record you can buy it in the itunes shop well how do you think people are getting on those spotify lists you think spotify is really just truly randomly generating these lists and they're not like having their you know that they're not getting anything out of it like like I don't, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if labels pay extra for Spotify promotion or to get added to playlists. But there's definitely something about the algorithm that uh, seems, to begin with, less than diverse. Um, and well, I haven't done the algorithm a... has to be fair either. I mean, it's not like this is some sort of an ethical like they have to play by a certain set of rules. If they're in it to make money, no one's getting around that. Well, okay. I don't want to hear anything about um, algorithms uh, and lack of diversity being about making money because you know you're not necess- you're not really going to make more money uh, by being not uh, by not being diverse and like there are studies that, that generally show that or that you know things like country radio saying they don't want to play women because people don't want to hear women and they're in it for money and then just like that just not being true. But oh yeah, that's I'm not that's, that's another that. digression. I'm right, not saying I, that they're right. I'm just saying that there there is an inherent motivation of wanting to make that money, and uh, in, in the same way you see a lot of like big business work is it's all about who you know. And I'm sure there's got to be some sort of element of the folks over at Spotify or buddy buddy with the executives mm-hmm. at Capitol Records or whatever. And, yeah, and uh, I mean there are. There are algorithm playlists and there are curated playlists, and you can kind of, you know, use your noggin to to guess, you know, which one's more likely to like. Okay, we could do a whole episode about payola, and I would absolutely love to do a whole episode about payola. Um, but I mean, just talking about Spotify, um, trying to keep it a little bit more to them about like how how are you going to discover music without Spotify? I'm like, well, there are these great radio stations that you can stream for completely free. KXP. Uh, like KXP or WFUV, um college so, radio stations, local radio, like 
like the like these 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 places still like nonprofit radio still exists and it's awesome. Can I can I take a moment to defend my honor? Sure. Uh, so I do listen to Spotify. However, I don't pay for it because I'm petty, and I refuse. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather listen to the ads than give them my money. So I, I, I am at least at, on some level cognizant of that. And the flip side of that is I do actually, I am a KEXP amplifier because I think that KEXP is a killer radio station. I do listen to them quite a bit as well. And if you haven't listened to KEXP, just, you can listen to them on the web. Like just, just Google them. 90.3 KEXP. They're phenomenal. I KEXP.org, I think. Uh the the playlist that they come up with, I mean, they don't use the they don't use algorithms. It's always disc jockeys. They've got some great some great DJs that work there that have a really great um, uh, and a very diverse palette of music. And this is where I absolutely agree with you: is the diversity is incredibly, I think, it sells and is very entertaining. It, the, the range of music that KXB puts up is phenomenal. And yeah, constantly blown away by it. Oh, totally, and that's before like digging into their in-studio sessions and the, the the audio and video content that they're creating there, you know, uh, amazing. And then another way to discover music is uh, reading about it on blogs and stuff. Um, so that's other curated things. I like curated because uh, you get consistency from it that you don't get from, you know, an algorithm that's just fitting you what, it thinks you want to hear. And um, I just love the the relationships that you can develop with DJs and bloggers and actual curators. It's, it's like joining a gym and you have those instructors that you really, really love. And mm -hmm. you have those instructors that like, ah, I'm not going to go to that class because just like they, you don't like, how they do a thing or just like not your vibe or you just like something better. So, and that's normal and that's fine. And it also, it, it, it um, I think fosters community better than, than Spotify does. I agree. But, but for the sake of making the argument and I, I see where you're coming from. And I think for getting a quality music consumption experience, that is 100% the way to go. I don't contest that for a lot of people though. And your average consumer who isn't necessarily super new music, they're just looking for something to listen to throwing on the rap caviar playlist is sometimes just exactly what they're looking for. It's whatever's new and hip and it's combination of old and new. And I'm, I have no way to substantiate this. And I'm not going to make this as a claim, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of a, Hey, give us a little bit of money. And we'll get your, your new artist on the rap caviar playlist. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. So, why? Of course that's a thing. And it's a very low effort. Not a lot of people want to put that effort in. And I think that's where Spotify, where the value statement is for Spotify is for more of your average consumer, not your, your, it, it's not geared for the people who are going to be trying to track down flack files or listening on Bandcamp or trying to listen to their local indie artists and whatnot. It's not really who it's tracked for. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, it's independent radio for a reason. And that reason is largely that, you know, it doesn't appeal to everybody. Like that's just nothing appeals to everybody. And I, I, so there, there are some things about streaming and the internet culture that I like, I do like that it's it's easier than ever to um, it is easier than ever to discover new music, um, whatever kind of weird little side tangents that you have in in your you know musical brain and your heart. Um, I do uh, I don't want to say I, it, it's like it's very much the opposite of homogenization. 
the opposite of sameness. But I do miss like th- having like the cultural like everybody knows this thing. It doesn't happen as much as I think it used to uh, in an age of when we only had like thirty television stations and the radio stations um, were you know there weren't as many of them or they you know all had their own. It's like now you have that with like Adele. You have it with like Beyonce, uh, but you don't have like I don't I don't know if we're ever gonna have stars like Prince or Madonna or like the '80s stars were really the last I think super duper big ones um, that I can think of, and, and they, I guess '90s stars like everyone knows the name Pearl Jam. I think everyone knows a couple Pearl Jam songs, but everyone uh, knows Pearl Jam. Everyone knows Nirvana. I mean, I just there's, sure, I, there's a level of that ubiquitous household name status factor, but I also think shared that, positive art experiences. That's what we don't have. Well, I don't know if I agree with that because then you've contemporarily you've got big names like Billie Eilish, and just about everybody's heard that name. Everyone's heard that name, but I've heard one Billie Eilish song, one, and it was because I was playing a gig. It's because I don't listen to the radio very, like, I don't listen to pop radio. I don't spend my time watching MTV anymore. I don't, like, do these things, like, where you're definitely going to come across that. Like, the, the closest I've I come to being, sometimes I don't hear pop songs until I go to a ballpark and it's playing between innings, literally, right. and well, I'm and not you alone. You and I are very different people in that regard because... Uh, because I, I have a tendency to listen to some pop radio. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I diversify my, my consumption, but I, I'm not completely out of touch with what's new. And I certainly know that going past where I'm at in the spectrum, I know tons of people who are all up to date on what's the new, it's like the kiss FM listeners. It's the people, it, it's the people who sit down, they listen to like a rap the rap caviar playlist or any of the number of like the top playlist that Spotify curates. So, I mean, I think there still is that it's a little bit more diversified. And I think we're seeing a lot more, not necessarily a lot more pockets than before, because there's always pockets of, uh, of music and scenes and, and whatnot. I, I think it's just a different delivery method. All of that mm-hmm. to say, I, I think that kind of leads into a point I wanted to bring up is I, I really do think that that aspect is alive and well, and, isn't the consumption isn't being impacted by COVID-19 as much as yes, it is right. Well, it's not reflected in their stock prices that much. Their Um, stock prices, I think took a dive like in March with everything else, of course, but no, there's, there's, they're seeing way fewer streams post COVID-19 happening. Yes. And no. Uh, So I've got the yeah, so I've got uh, – if you look up the, the six-month history here, uh, where we're at today is about um, 130. It peaked in January at about 100, talking, a little over – Are you talking about COVID-19 cases? No, no. I'm talking about streams, for yeah. like like income for Spotify. Where are you finding this? I'm just looking at their like their stock value – like stock valuation. Which, while not a, a completely biblical kind of representation of their income, is usually a pretty decent indi- uh, indicator of where they're at as a company. And I'm looking at this, and I just, I they're ten dollars a share higher than they were 
uh, in October, like it was recently as October, like six months ago. But their it, streams they, are down 12% in, in the world, 16% down in the US and 20% in Italy and another very hard hit country. Their streams are down. Well, so then that the follow-up question to that is, can even with this petition, can Spotify, can they afford to to follow through on this petition if they if if their hearts were enlightened, if they got their their morals in order and they decide they want to start paying people fairly, could they afford to do that with their business model? I mean, I think so. I don't think that paying royalties is really a, a big should they absolutely I, I don't, i'm not sure anyone with half of half a heart is going to disagree whether on the fact that I, I think that they really should be i don't think i really don't think that's the question so much as can they afford to is that tenable for their business model and i guess i can't well, really answer that without fully looking at their numbers uh, well but, so so with 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 a publicly traded companies i know that you can basically look up and see like how profitable are they i haven't done this cuz i actually keep forgetting that they're a publicly traded company um spotify investor information investor report i think um so their financials uh i don't think their q2 financials are available no none of their financials for the year are available a lot of q2 stuff hasn't come out which is partly what's got me a little worried that the little bump we're seeing the stock market right now is not going to last for that long once the numbers start coming out on quarterly earnings. But that's be starting to talk a little bit more corporate. Granted, we are talking about a very corporate company, organization, uh, whatever you may have, uh, as far as Spotify yeah. goes. So, yeah. so uh, I mean, they, they have, again, they're reporting from their own data that streams are, are down. So, I mean, obviously they're being affected by this. Uh, their cash flow, is this in millions of $169 million in Q4 of last year? Their net cash, their operating margin, gross profit, I see the number 474. I don't know if this is in 100,000s or not. I would think that they can probably afford it, though. Right. So, I mean, my point is just simply this. In an ideal world, absolutely Spotify should be. I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's predatory to to offer such low rates, even with the the benefits that I've discussed and kind of pushed a little bit. Is I think there are some marketing benefits in terms of reach and depending on the audience you're going for and kind of asserting yourself in a genre. I, I certainly think that there are some benefits to be had there, but I don't think mm-hmm. those benefits are worth the, the cuts that you're taking oh. in a stream. And I, I certainly think that Spotify is pushed really hard to define what a stream is worth as opposed to yeah. what it's, it's, it's asserted itself as the gold standard in the industry given uh-huh. its popularity. And I, yeah. I would love to push back on that. The flip side of that is without getting super into their numbers, I, it, it is worth asking the question, is that are they able to do that and still maintain the outreach that they've got today and maintain the infrastructure and the overhead that they need to make the service available worldwide? Well, listen, so they just announced like that they have – well, I wouldn't say they just – they announced that they would have this um, sort of COVID-19 fund. So Spotify will – Match donations is important because the headlines all say to donate $10 million. 
So they've set up a COVID-19 music relief project through which users will be recommended verified organizations that they can donate to, and Spotify will match those donations up to $10 million. It's like, it's just things like this. It's like, these are nice, but like, I think that it would be more beneficial to just always pay artists what they're worth versus, you know, doing this big grand gesture they can probably write off later. They will write these donations off versus just paying artists in the first place. So they're doing this for a $10 million tax break makes me mad. Like, I'm glad that they are saying that they will do this, but I would be very surprised if user donations get anywhere near $10 million. Right. I mean, I don't, not sure it's any secret that big companies as a whole, the, the whole purpose of them having uh, like philanthropic uh, kind of Thropic. philanthropic, good gravy. I can't speak today. Uh, philanthropic uh, parts of their organization is for the tax write-off. I mean, that's, it's about gaming the tax laws uh, and that saves ultimately it often saves them more money up front. And in the process that just makes them look great as a company anyways, but it's almost just, it, to a degree, it makes my blood boil because I'm like, well, you're not really doing it because you care about helping people. Not to say that people that work in those departments don't care. I'm sure a lot of the people in that department, I'm sure they're fully aware of the realities of what they're dealing with. And they're just happy to help people in any way that they can on their level. But it's like, did you see like uh, Whole Foods is like asking for donations and whatnot? <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, guys, do you know who owns Whole Foods? Are we blind? Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, owns Whole Foods, and he has the gall to ask people for like donations for their local communities for food when he could snap his fingers and that that just that it's all taken care of. And I'm just like, ah, so yes, it's nice that Spotify is donating ten million dollars, but let's not let let's. But again, 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 they're not going to donate ten million dollars. They're they're going to match up to this big number. So they can put in their press release this big number. I think they'll be they might hit two for the price of one. They might hit hopefully around the like the hundred k maybe. But you know what happened when I just tried just now to go to the website linked in their press release to donate? What dangerous web page blocked? This is a known dangerous web page, and it's highly recommended that you do not visit this page. I cannot even go to the webpage. Well, that sounds like that just sounds like a certificate error, which is a rookie move. I mean, that's a rookie move from whatever website developer that they hired for that. But that's all I'm claiming. But it's like it's something, and it's a subdomain for the full domain buyspotify.com, like byspotify.com. Like, why did you do that? Well, I, I'd be curious to see if they fix that sometime this week. It, it's possible. It's just like a weird afternoon shortage where someone forgot to up their certificate. That I not to fully this, defend them here. This but this that, this thing went live on March twenty fifth. It went live March twenty fifth. I mean, it does happen to even the the best tech corporations where they forget to up a certificate and a service goes down for several hours. I'd, I'd be curious to see what that looks like later in the week, but I do, 
I definitely agree that's suspicious and it's one hundred percent I mean that's a rookie move. I mean it's for, just that that just it's just it's just they're they're trying to give away ten million dollars, they say, but I can't even go to their webpage. My my browser yeah. won't let me. Like I have to log in and like do another thing that says I'm aware that this is a risk. Like I can't do that. <laughs> can you send me a link? I'm, I'm gonna try and access it from my network and see what I can pull up. This is where the the <clears throat> uh, the the mediocre IT guy tries to get to the bottom of things. Let's see. And while I'm at it, um, I did go through number four, and it was awfully similar to number three. And I feel like I'm gonna eat my words on that later because. I feel like they're not the same, but they were in the same ballpark, and it leaves me. What are you talking gonna... about now? Oh, uh, whiskey. Oh, okay. I forgot I about last, the whiskey. I last left off in number three. It was relatively easy going. Number four was slightly more peated, had a little bit more body to it, um, a little bit drier on the finish, but it, it was still super similar to three, and I feel like it's going to be somewhere in the same ballpark. With my luck, it's going to be from two completely different regions. Um and I'll just completely embarrass myself to anyone who knows scotch, but that's probably a given anyways. Um, so I'm getting ready to pour <laughs> number five. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we're going to get through all six because we're at a, an hour eight. I, I can hurry up. I haven't been drinking that much of them for clarity. I, I really have only been pouring like a splash. So maybe, maybe half an ounce may well, yeah, probably about half an ounce for each of these. And so that's, I'm at a total of two ounces, maybe two and a half if I'm eyeballing it, which isn't that much, especially for the, over the course of an hour. And we're an hour in 10 minutes ish at this point. So that's, that's two shots in an hour, which is European more shots, than I've American ever been told. Um, an American shot is 1.5 ounces. A European shot is one ounce. I call an American shot a long pour also one and a half shots. Well, American bartenders would disagree with you. European bartenders would agree with you. <clears throat> I tend to like the Europeans better because that allows me to, to try more things without getting quite as toasty. Oh, I like the American pour. Don't, don't get, I like a long <laughs> pour. I, I tend to have a long pour. I do. I also really appreciate it. I go to order whiskey at a, at a bar, at a venue or whatever. I'm like, that's clearly more than an ounce and a half. And I only paid for a single. Appreciate it. Yeah. Got to love no, the heavy handed pour. Do do love that indeed. Generosity is never unappreciated from a bartender, which makes me miss bartenders. Oh, Connor Byrne! Oh, I miss been... my bartenders at Connor Byrne. I was supposed to play a sh at Connor Byrne on Friday or Saturday, and my band had this whole joking, like laughing and then crying thing about like, "Hey, when's loading tonight? Is there are are we backlighting the the kit? What should I wear? <laughs> what are y'all getting oh. there?" And then we just cried. Yeah, I think I went out to the bar for the last the last time I went to a bar was um actually with my Scottish friend. Uh and that was it was a lot of fun. We had uh, sat down for a couple hours, uh, ordered some some nice scotch. It was a bit of a celebration. So uh got some nicer things than I would normally otherwise. And it was just a really, really great time and I I miss I miss being able to just go out and like have a couple of drinks, have a good time, talk about stuff and um. Yeah, kind of missing that right now. But I miss restaurants. I I don't. I miss gigs most of all. I say I miss gigs first, the gym second, and restaurants third. I sort of miss restaurants, but I also like going out to a restaurant or bar. 
Right, right. So I, I, I miss going out to a bar, but re- like the restaurants, my favorite thing about them is the food. The atmosphere, yeah. invariably, I find myself going, eh, it's kind of loud in here. Can't really hear everybody at the table. It feels kind of awkward. I'd rather just take my food to go and enjoy it at home. So it's actually knowing that most of my favorite restaurants are still doing takeout. It's been kind of nice. So I've been doing, I've been trying to make a point of doing takeout once a week and trying to make a point of uh, tipping them well, knowing that business has been down. Yeah. Same. I mean, I've saved a lot of money. That's how I could buy a reamp box. Reamp. Yeah. I'm thinking about buying a, an Akai, What's it called? MPK Mini Mark II. It's like the little synth controller with a drum pad. And I don't know why. I probably won't use it. I shouldn't buy that. I mean, I've been wanting something like that for forever, but I feel like that's... Those those are great songwriting tools, and I know if I get one, it's going to turn into be... I'm going to turn into that person who's like working on an EP for three years and never ends up releasing it. That's most people, but you know, you don't always have to create with the, you know, purpose of releasing it into the world. You can just create because it's, it's a cathartic. It's like journaling. Right. Well, and I I totally hear that. I just, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be like harsh or judgmental with that. I just, I'm not sure if that's, I I know that's good. What's going to happen when I inevitably get one of those. It's just a matter of is now the right time for me to do that. Is ever. I don't know. I, I'm really focused on my board build right now. Just ran power for it last night, and I'm now at the stage of a board build where I'm reevaluating everything. Yeah. Now, I was thinking about uh, completely redoing mine or just like rearranging a lot of things, but I just rearranged. I, I moved the, synth, the SY1 farther up my board and added the cat dirt. And now I'm looking at it again like, I don't. I don't think I want to change it. I love. I know. I saw your board. It was like, wow, you've got more pedals than on board than I think I've ever seen you have. (laughs) (laughs) You got like pedals on there now. Please. You've got eight pedals on there now. Is that right? You counted. Wow, you actually counted my pedals. That's not counting the volume pedal or my amp. Well. I, I applaud you. It's no wait, that is counting my volume pedal and my amp. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's not counting my tuner or my power supply. Um I didn't actually count. I just remember seeing the photo and going, Wow, that's a lot and I just I, I guessed off the top of my head. But uh Yeah. Congratulations, you're starting you've got a mid sized board. I've Things had this board for forever and I actually I used to have a lot more on it. Um I, I really did used to have like a dozen pedals on that board, I think. Um, but then I, cause it was like a case of like, Oh, I want a little bit of everything. I want to be prepared for anything. And then I started actually playing with people. I'm like, um, I actually don't need most of these things right now. And then every once in a while, like I have my, my, um, pedal train, uh, Metro 24 classic size board. So every once in a while, I'll just build out one of those for, you know, other gigs, I guess. And then I have my itty bitty little nano size board that I made myself. But, um, I, I'm thinking about getting a new board that one of those, um, angled ones so I can put the power underneath just cause, uh, but I don't really need that. Well, I've got my flat board, which is just an Ikea cutting board. 
And okay. I've got um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve pedals plus a power supply. That's a lot of pedals. It's on like a eighteen by twelve ish cutting board, or nice. maybe it might be a little deeper than twelve. I think it also it also might not be. I haven't measured it actually. I've just eyeballed everything, um, but hopefully. Uh, it'll be up and running within the next couple of days, and we'll have my uh, my full rig going, ready to jam. I think I think it's funny when people find out what kind of music I play, and then they look at the board I, I gig with, and then they compare it to the fact that they know I have a lot of very weird pedals. I'm like, well, I thought you would make a lot weirder music if with like all the pedals you have. I'm like, no, <laughs> I just think they're fun. <laughs> and I've got I make I, I make bedroom music. Uh, the pedals I've got on my board aren't that weird, but I also like to make weird, like spacey stuff. I, I just kind of stretch what I've got as far as it goes, but I'm I'm already like hitting that midpoint valuation point of like, do I want to swap that out for like a bit quest? Maybe <laughs> mm, do I, do I, or well, one of the things I was thinking about doing is because I've got so much overdrive on there. I was thinking about swapping out one of the overdrives for a uh, Walrus Congre. Uh, which is the filter and the fuzz, which could be a lot of oh. fun. Um, that could be it, cool. But because I've already got the board laid out, like I can only fit this exact kind of enclosure with top jacks or else it won't fit. <laughs> so I'm like really limited unless I want to undo everything I've just done. Yeah. I, I mean, looking at my board, I, I think the mood's about like, the mood's not going to be on there forever. I just, I mostly keep the mood on there. Um, I've never played a Sunday Crush gig with it uh there are a couple parts in some of the songs where i'm like oh that'd be really cool to have but mostly it's on there because i do eventually want to film a demo of it but i need to like try it and figure it out in the real world i think right so um and uh yeah so that's the weirdest pedal on my, my board and then i have the sy1 which is kind of weird and the delayed foster wallace but uh yeah i uh we have, I have fun with, with my stuff. So uh, just, have you finished that? Good. Okay. You've oh yeah. I just it. had number five and I think number five might be my favorite of the whole bunch. Um, it's nice and bold. It's got a, um, a little bit of a bite to it. It kind of reminds me of, um, uh, and I feel like I'm going to regret everything I say when I say it reminds me of, um, but I had a, a Highland park, uh, flight. Uh, for my birthday back in October and it forget what years are in the Highland park lineup, but I think it was like a, like a 12, a 16 and a 25 or something like that. Um, but this kind of reminds me of like the same flavor profile um, kind of out of that family. So hopefully I'm right. Hopefully I didn't just embarrass the hell out of myself, but um, that was really enjoyable. Um, and I'm going to have to come back for that one later. Um and I'm on to number six, which is the last one I've got here. And then I can read off the envelope. So closing spots, uh, <laughs> closing spots, closing thoughts on Spotify. I, as a, as a music fan, I do get having Spotify. I try, I have title. I try to only stream things I've also purchased because uh, of the convenience factor is uh, amazing. Um, I, I think it should pay artists more. Uh, I, I generally think that in the music business, um, the people who actually create the art that we love 
and that moves us uh, tend to get uh, screwed. And I, I hate, I hate it. I hate it a lot. <laughs> and I, so I just, I just want you, you used to be able to make a living doing this. Uh, and I don't want to say more easily, but just more consistently. Right. I mean, and just more uh, yeah. Life. And I think that if, if you, if we want to look at the things that really damage um, musicians a lot, I think a lot of them just factor around the fact that you can't, you can't make money selling records. Uh, just releasing music will not make you money. Um, you have to tour on it. You have to get like sync licenses and you, you have to do so much more and to really commodify your music. And, um, touring is hard on bodies, especially the older that we get, the, the harder, the harder it is. And that's where a lot of the things like alcoholism and substance abuse come into play is not because, not just because everyone's offering these things to you while you're on tour, but because it's boring. You're, you're, you're in a car, you're in a van, you're hurrying, you're, you're, you're getting to the venue so you can hurry up and wait for five hours. You show up for four at 4 PM for a sound check at five for your set that starts at 10. Like it's hard. Right, right. Well, right. It, I I think my take is I I feel like I should be more ashamed of the fact that I I use Spotify on a regular basis than I am. I'm not saying anybody should be ashamed that they listen to Spotify. <laughs> it's not your no, no. I'm not, not saying you are. It's not consumer's I, fault. I'm not saying that you are. I I I feel I, I feel like this only reinforces that kind of that guilt running in the back of my head. I'm like, I know I'm not really ethically consuming question mark, but it is really, really convenient. And the appeal is there for me. And it's a really frustrating, like, ah, but it's so good on kind of a dichotomy. I also fully grant that the, the streaming quality also isn't necessarily super high five. That is kind of a downside for me, but it is what it well, is. Who, who, nobody, nobody, cares about streaming quality i mean streaming quality like anything streaming quality is probably not going to be very good like anything right, uh, i think right. title has higher like quality streaming um but i mean it's for it's convenience you're playing it through your car speakers or you're pay playing it through your earbuds and your beats by dre which are for the record not good headphones. oh don't get that's a pet peeve of mine please don't get me started on it um, yeah, we anyway. don't have time for it. You better finish your last scotch. I know. So I just tried a little bit of my last scotch. It's um, uh, relatively sweet of the bunch. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna real quick. I'm gonna throw together uh, kind of what my um, top to bottom favorites are, and I, I don't know if I'm gonna bother guessing with what each of them is. Uh, and then I'll just go ahead and read the list. You guys can judge me all you want. Any of you, uh, Scotch whiskey snobs out there, feel free to. Uh, Drop me a line. Tell me what I should drink next. Uh, drop a line. Tell me that I'm terrible and I should never drink scotch whiskey again. I mean, any, any of those would be perfectly acceptable responses. All right. Cool. So number six, six was by far the sweetest. I um, actually really kind of liked that about it. Um, it's kind of nice. But my favorite by far is going to be number five. And it's incredibly... 
and I know I've had number five before. I don't know what it is, but it's killing me. It's not, it, it doesn't, uh, I, I know I've had it before. I know I really, really like this bottle. Um, uh, I'm going to say probably number four comes up next. I had to, it, it was so light. I, I don't know if it's an ILA, but it kind of put me in mind of like, kind of like a Lefroig. So maybe it's a lighter Lefroig or not Lefroig, um, a lighter, um, good gravy. I'm blanking super, a uh, Lagavulin. Um, same thing with number three, kind of in that same category of like, it's still got that nice peat. Um, number one, probably next. Uh, and then number two would probably come in last. Number two, I felt like there's some aspects of it I really, really wanted to like, but as it all came together, it just didn't quite, didn't quite hit it for me. But uh, number two also wasn't, it was not normal as far as Scotch whiskey goes by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm going to either, it, it's either a weird grain. It's maybe it's a different kind of grain. They, uh, mix that up or they just aged it in something completely off the wall, but it, it's not a standard scotch whiskey by any stretch of the imagination. So shall we? Sure. Shall we what? I'm okay. Oh, I, I'm opening up. Okay. Opening up the, uh, Oh, Oh, and I just dropped a pick. There was a pick in here. Ah, thank you, Tom, for the pick. I am now the proud owner of, an Ernie Ball Prodigy 1.5 millimeter pick. Ooh, this is, that is thick. I'm going to have to play with that later. Um, all right, so here we go. Number one, which um, didn't particularly love, but certainly didn't hate, was a Talisker Storm. I'll have to look that up a little bit. Number two, which is the weird oddball of the bunch, was a uh, Wiggle Kilted Rye. There we go. That's what's different. So it's a rye. All right, number three was a Lagavulin 8, so a very young one, uh, which also helped explain the color. I think I slated that one for possibly being an Islay. had that nice bit of uh, peat to it. Uh, number four is an Ard, uh, Ardbeg Drum. I haven't tried anything from Ardbeg before. And, I, you know, I talked to Tom about that before, and I mentioned that I hadn't tried anything from Ardbeg before. All right, here we go. Number five. This is the one that I know I've tried before. Was the Lefroy um, Cardeus Triplewood Cask Strength, and I'm sure I just butchered the pronunciation on that. But I, I remember the day that uh, my Scottish friend actually brought this bottle over, and I got to try uh, a dram of it, and by far one of my favorite whiskeys I've ever tried before. And then number six is an Ardbeg Ten. Um, again, a younger one, which explains light of color, but nice and sweet and i actually really enjoyed that one so there's there's your little insight into my little my little snobbish brain hope you guys all don't think less of me for it um snobs i know i'm such a snob but it is what it is i can't help it and uh i at least i hope i don't come off as a, a total with a superiority complex that's all i ask for I, I don't know if you can, I don't know if that's possible. I think that's just part of being a snob. I, I try not to be, and I'm always an advocate of people like drink what you want to drink, drink what you enjoy, drink what tastes good to you. And I also like to make jokes that I wish I could, I enjoyed the cheaper stuff because it would just be a lot more affordable. So. 
It's true. It's very, 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 very true. I feel like it's more of a curse than a blessing, but I digress. This has been a really fun episode. We should we should do it again sometime. Yeah, let's do uh, next week. Hopefully not same time next week, because now I have to turn around and edit this uh, before and get it uploaded before midnight. I know, I know, I know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, I am Andrew. I'm Emily. Thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Goodbye. Bye. Safe with the dog in my-